0: Welcome to the discussion, Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity, sponsored by Axonius. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin.
1: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Bobby McLernan, Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius, and Ken Klein is the Director of Cyber Engineering at FEMA. We've got Alma Cole. He is Chief Information Security Officer at U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And we've got Geraldine Clausen. She's the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for Defend Group F at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. CISA. great to have you all with us. And we're speaking at a time when cybersecurity is absolutely top in mind. Across the federal government, there's been some celebrated incidents involving both industry and government, which means they all involve government at some level. And also there's a lot of modernization money out there right now. And the administration has indicated that cybersecurity pretty much undergirds everything they see happening ahead. So it's more important now than ever to get control of the tools and the data and make sure that the infrastructure we use to deal with cyber is really buttoned up for us. And so I wanna start with um, Geraldine Clausen, first of all, Defend Group F, maybe just define what that is for us, but then tell us the types of tools and what the cyber strategy that you have is going on right now from a a tools and technology standpoint.
0: Defend Group F actually describes the contract model that we are currently in. But specifically, what we provide is um, continuous diagnostics and mitigation in a shared services format, specifically for the smaller or non-CFOAC agencies. Our goal is to identify the worst risks and fix those first. For small agencies, we take an extra step and provide a shared service that has no onboarding costs and a quick time to market. Tools that automate risk identification provide immense benefits, but we also believe that the tools we use must meet our requirements and not have the tools capabilities dictate those requirements. Lastly, when new requirements come about, we first look at what is already deployed in order to save time, dollars, and leverage our agency's user skill sets. In choosing tools to deploy in shared services, we use three design tenets. First is the simplicity of the design. We believe that the simplest design will ultimately lead to cost efficiencies, especially if we can benefit from a tool that meets many requirements. The second tenet that we live by is ease of use. We want to make sure that the cybersecurity tools that we provide to our agencies are easy to use and easy to understand in order to to allow for greater adoption. Lastly, they they must be able, the tools must be able to provide greater analysis to the consumer because greater analysis capabilities will lead to useful information being extracted from the tool and having useful information will lead to action. Thank you.
1: And just a quick follow-up to that, you mentioned a shared service, that's a suite of tools then that is in that shared service. And can you just give us an overview of the extent of the tool set that's in there?
0: The shared service focuses on asset management capabilities at the moment. We provide hardware asset management, software asset management, vulnerability management, and configuration settings management. We take the results of all these tool sets and provide a CDM dashboard, which is basically one dashboard where the user can see the extent of the vulnerabilities in their environment through what we call an AWARE score. The consumer can then look at the effect of their remediation strategies through that AWARE score. If the AWARE score is trending up, then there needs to be further refinement in the remediation strategies. If the trend is going down on the AWARE score, then the remediation strategies currently implemented are working.
1: Okay. Uh, appreciate that. Thank you. And I want to go to Mr. Cole. It's good to have you back. Uh, we've had you on a couple of other earlier panels. And um, CBP, leader in in many ways in IT modernization, cybersecurity. Tell us the current state and unmute.
2: Yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me again. So we are getting a lot done at CBP and this is actually a really, really exciting time for us. And I think we're seeing, um, you know, we've always seen a lot of focus on cybersecurity tools coming in and and that's obviously a hot area for investment uh, from Silicon Valley and everywhere else. Um and, and, and we're getting from a point where we've had all these point solutions, I think, to where one, we're having a lot more really, really quality SaaS offerings, but two, we're seeing a lot more tools that actually either uh are in, easily integrated with other tools, or really just encompass um, this this uh, th- this really comprehensive not only view and understanding like what we started with with the uh, the SIM tools, right? The security information event management tools. <clears throat> Excuse me, that was sort of a natural start, and now that's leading into things like the SOAR tools, the security orchestration automation and response tools, where we are now taking um, the application programming interfaces. These APIs between all of our various security tools and of the other IT operations tools, and we're actually integrating those tools together so that we can do um, automation across those various tool stacks. To now where you have some of the XDR tools, the extended detection and response tools that then take uh, really the next step into doing that seamless integration. A lot of the integration that maybe you're doing with the SOAR, but might take a whole lot of work to actually do with the SOAR, and a lot of times those XDR suites are really a sort of a purpose-built suite that give you that full spectrum visibility and ability to, you know, automate that response. So a uh, really sort of exciting time where now an analyst maybe isn't as distracted and having to jump in from one tool to the next and, and we're really there, they're seeing exactly what they need to do. And that, what we really need to do um, that actually really helps us when you look at the, you know, you talk about cyber kill chain of attackers. And one really important thing to know is for a while you hear well, an attacker only has to get it right uh, you know, once and the defenders have to get it right you know, all the time. Well, that's only half true because when an attacker comes in, they're going to be going through many, many phases of an attack. And so you have multiple opportunities to detect and disrupt those attacks. And when you have those tools that actually give you that full spectrum view across that kill chain, across what also you can can think of it as the the MITRE attack framework, which has been a really important tool for us to be able to assess our our tool gaps and ensure that we have those. When you're looking across that, that gives you all types of opportunities to actually uh, detect those instances or uh, across that life cycle of that intrusion and then to go ahead and respond to that. So I think that's that's one area. Um, obviously, on the CDM side, uh, I know we're going to deep dive into that more, but we've had a lot of engagement with the CDM team and, and really appreciate the way that they've started to uh, you know, really change that program up to be able to uh, work very, very well with our existing tool sets, with our agency operations, and also where we can leverage some of their investment to make our programs much, much Better and to have you know dual wins when it comes to their objectives and our objectives internally.
1: Yeah, I guess you're dealing with CDM as a program and also CDM just as a activity that you should be continuously diagnosing and monitoring anyway. Yes. All right, uh, Ken Klein from FEMA, director of cyber engineering. Uh, yes. Got a complicated uh, picture with uh, scattered people and people on the move so often.
3: Yes, good morning, Tom. And thank you for an, invite, an invitation to this. Um, yes, to sum it up in two words, um, our cybersecurity strategy is uh, continuous visibility, right? So in, in the mantra of the CDM, and like I say also have been a good steward of uh, partnership with uh, Fed PMO in terms of the CDM objectives. You know, Going back 2018, we really kind of really looked at the tooling because it was sort of a push here, adopt this set of suite of tools, you know, do it this way. And it wasn't really leveraging the uh, internal investment and the knowledge bases that we had. So we kind of shifted gears, we kind of worked with and then really partnered up to sort of change that. And we like Alma was saying, right, we took our SIM tool um, that we had really to do sort of our incident response or uh, audit logging and really bolded our CDM monitoring from the HWAM uh, hardware asset management, the software asset management known as SWAM, our configuration management, our vulnerability management, our malware defense, and, and really made that be our sort of one-stop shop for all things CDM. Um, you know, we built a little bit of technical debt along that line to sort of get that visibility all in one place, but it really brought us to a sort of our next level game in 2019. Um, from that, you know, things evolved. We, we were able to Uh, Start focusing on older vulnerabilities and remediating things that were sort of left undone, you know, and putting lights in places that, uh, you know, the dark corners of the agency to where, you know, as people come and go, things kind of get forgotten about. And it it allowed us to really start trimming down on our technical debt in terms of vulnerability management and and starting to put uh, a better understanding of where we need to make the next level investments. So um, that process to me is the most value that we've seen of anything we've done today, day to day. And from there, we've been able to then make additional investments and in how do we turnkey this uh, asset visibility solution stacks and how do we then, make investments and shifting from endpoint protection where we're just sort of looking at the low hanging fruit IP hashing and domain names and really get to where we can defend against the the more mature threat actors right the TTPs so we've kind of embraced a, a refresh on our stack to where we kind of went to an incident response platform right we want a tool that is built by instant responders so that for, for instant responders. So not not trying to take a tool that's designed to be just, you know, a traditional antivirus tool and, and making it, you know, thumbing it in to make it or, you know, what our responders use. So we, we've really put some time in that and thought into that. And as we're retooling in some cases or making better connectivity to APIs and other stuff, like they've said, um, we we've we've come to a new Um, level of maturity.
1: All right. So Bobby McLernan, what we've heard uh, from Axonius, what we've heard is kind of a need for people to have eyes kind of on both sides of their head. One is agencies are concerned with the cybersecurity environment and the threats themselves. On the other hand, they have to keep track of all of the apparatus they have for looking at all of that and having that visibility and ability to respond quickly. What do you see from your perch looking across the government?
4: Uh, Tom first, I'd like to thank you for having us uh, all together today on your, on your show and uh, I'd like to compliment Ten and Alma for deploying all of their wonderful tools uh, as they've built their their cyber program. Um, and I, I, I want to say I, I look forward to hearing more about uh, you know the data they're gathering and their actionable intelligence uh, as a result of, of, uh, of their work. Um, what we're seeing today, is um, from most of our customers, and we've got almost 200 uh, groups that we work with, is that they're very interested in understanding what is inside and outside their perimeters. Um, in order to, um, to gain a zero trust uh, program and platform, uh, it's imperative that they, uh, they have the ability to understand what their inventory is, uh, what's, what is on the inventory as it relates to software and, and patching and so forth, uh, and then, uh, again, make that data actionable, uh, filling any gaps or resolving any issues that may be coming to light.
1: All right. And uh, is there a way they can do it? Well, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later on, some of the strategies for doing that. But uh, let, let, let's talk, uh, I want to follow up on a couple of things. And that is the, uh, the evolution that we heard from a couple of different people on moving from, in the sense, in the context of continuous visibility to the, S, the SIEM tool, SIEM tool, to a re-engineered stack, I think is the way that Ken put it. Uh, Jerry, is that what you're kind of promulgating from the standpoint of CISA? You've gotta always be updating the stack, so to speak, for the, for the that is, comprises what you offer as a shared service. Is that pretty much uh, what you're seeing also?
0: We are definitely always on the lookout for the newest technologies that meet our requirements. Speaking speaking specifically for shared services, we also have to balance that with our consumers. Since shared services focus on the smaller agencies, while we want to bring them the best of breed, we also have to balance that with their own uh, size because small agencies have less staff to provide IT services, less IT resources, so the change cannot be done as quickly. So while we are definitely looking, uh, always doing analysis of alternatives and seeking better tools, we always work with the agencies in order to establish a good balance. And
1: that idea of inside and outside, um, I think that's becoming more the norm for agencies. That is, there's less and less of a perimeter view of networks. As everything is outside the perimeter, we got to watch out for, we're fine inside the perimeter, and that's really not no longer the case with everybody teleworking. You've got 50,000 field offices with everyone you know, outside of the office right now. I think 47% of the federal workforce is still teleworking relative to what normal times are. And so how has what the CDM program has been thinking about evolved with respect to that idea of Everybody's an outsider, but yet everyone's also an insider in the zero-trust context.
0: At the moment, we are focusing shared services for small agencies on HWAM, SWAM, CSM, and Vo. We do intend to provide expanded capabilities in the future to include identity and access management, data protection, and network boundary protection. But for today, the CDM shared services focuses on asset management capabilities.
1: Okay, and uh, Alma, maybe you could comment on that idea of the inside and the outside with everybody kind of being both given the, the telework situation.
2: Well, yeah, I think that that really is uh, an important point to really hammer home. Uh, so we went from telework being exception to telework being the rule. And and that obviously has changed uh, our security posture completely. Uh, Now we have a lot more concern with not only assuring that users have ready access to uh, all of our agency networks, all their applications from wherever they are in the globe, whenever, but also we have to make sure that we're reaching out to all those systems on a continuous basis to make sure they're always being updated and being managed appropriately. I mean, we had a time with our remote workforce when we would say, hey, bring your laptops in and, and, and plug them in because when we had them VPNing in, uh, unless they had their PIV in, unless they were doing, uh, you know, connected a certain amount of time, it was difficult to keep them managed. Now we've completely changed that as far as how we connect everyone where, again, if your system's plugged into the internet, we have the right machine identities of leveraging that along with the user identities to be able to keep them connected dynamically without the same amount of user interaction while still having the same levels of security. And we've actually seen our metrics for being able to patch and manage and and keep all those systems secure that are out there. They've they've shot through the roof where now our laptops and our desktops are really uh, pretty much on par when it comes to our actual security posture on all of those devices. And actually we're we're going through now and and doing other things on the desktops to bring them in some cases up to speed with some of the security posture we have that's been enhanced on those laptops. So um, I I think you talked about zero trust. Zero trust is, is... is everywhere in sort of the industry right now, and everyone's talking about it more um, after solar winds. It's a concept's been around for, for a long time. I, I know you've had zero trust panels, and we'll continue to have much much more discussion on that. But it really drives home a, a couple of really important principles that have been there for a long time, but that are now really uh, important to emphasize, especially in the post solar winds world, where we know for sure that that we can't trust everyone or everything that we bring on our network and put on our network. Uh, one is zero trust being the, the nth degree implementation of the, the least security privilege principle, uh, which is always there. But if you don't need access to something, you shouldn't have access to something. Whereas the legacy you know, VPN, and really just the overall security strategy was you know, sort of the, the moat and drawbridge and castle walls, but it's all squishy on the inside. Right now, we understand that you know the hackers have been taking advantage of that because they get on the inside with uh, with one entry point. However, they get in in this case with solar winds being uh, through the supply chain, um, and then if you can move anywhere, um, then then that's a real issue. So now we're having to really build our insides with the same level of security that we think about with our public-facing web servers and other things, and ensure that uh, that we are the second principle being assuming breach, that any particular user, any particular endpoint that uh, we're designing and architecting in a way that that if that you know, entity was was compromised somehow, that that compromise doesn't uh, lead to some sort of cascading effect uh, where it takes down the rest of the enterprise. I think similar to what you're seeing with these, uh, with the gas at- line attacks and things like that right now, where once they're in, have an entry point that lets an attacker spread around, get data, encrypt systems, really slowly take over the network because there aren't those same restrictions on that once they get on the inside. And in many agencies or organizations rather, uh, getting on the inside uh, is, can be trivial, especially if you have time and money and things where you're going to attack supply chain or, or get uh, insider threat, for example. And of course, one other thing to remember is a lot of these advanced, whether it be cyber criminals, nation state attackers, um, or, or, or insider threats, from a system monitoring perspective, and from the damage they do on the inside, uh, they look very, very similar. The outside attacker who's sure. found a foothold uh, to the, compared to the insider threat, and so the architecture and then the types of monitoring and protection and defense that you put in place uh, are very similar across those those different threats, and of course also the need to really emphasize machine learning and behavior analytics and things so that when, uh, whether it be insider or a compromised account or system starts behaving in a way that's not normal that we can get detect and respond appropriately to that.
1: All right, that's a good place to take a break. My guests today are Amma Cole. He is Chief Information Security Officer at U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Geraldine Clausen is the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for the DEFEND Group F at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency. We've got Bobby McLernan, he's Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius, and Ken Klein, the Director of Cyber Engineering at FEMA. I'm your moderator, Tom Tem, and this panel discussion is Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity, sponsored by Axonius here on Federal News Network.
5: Axonius takes a radically simple approach to cybersecurity asset management. By connecting to the IT and security tools agencies already use, Axonius collects and correlates information about the hardware, software, and users connected to agency networks. Gain asset visibility. Discover security gaps. Automatically validate and enforce security policies. Free up your cybersecurity resources. Learn how to empower your security team with cybersecurity asset management at
1: axonius.com. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S. Welcome back to our panel discussion Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity, sponsored by Axonius here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Bobby McLernan, the Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius. Ken Klein is the Director of Cyber Engineering at FEMA. We've got Al Cole, the Chief Information Security Officer at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, and Geraldine Clausen, the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for Defend Group F at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, CISA. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. And before the break, we were talking a lot about the stacks of tools and the evolution of those as we move from a kind of perimeter model of cybersecurity to an everything everywhere is a threat zero trust model of cybersecurity. And that's the tools, that's the stacks, that's the investment you have to make in stuff. But the purpose of all those tools, looking at it in one standpoint, is to produce data. And so we're getting more and more data assets as a result of the tools that we deploy and the evolution of those tools and the, the varied threat environment. So Ken Klein, starting with you, give us a sense of not only the data that is put out by all of these stacks that you mentioned earlier, but how you manage all of that. Because you know, your standard operator can be overwhelmed by data feeds.
3: Yes, this is the problem we've, you know, really had a challenge with. And I say I'm, I'm an old VAT guy. So I, I basically made my bones in vulnerability scanning, vulnerability management over a decade ago. So, you know, various VAT tools, we you know, I've, you've got data galore, right? You've got, uh, you've obviously got vulnerability data, you know, critical highs, you know, looking at CVS, uh, VS scoring. So you got your common vulnerability scoring system, right? You know version two, version three, you've got various information on the assets. Obviously, you know, what's the attacker's point of view, right? I'm also been trained historically as a ethical hacker, you know so looking at it from a reconnaissance point of view there's typically more value in the network and how to approach it and you know map it all out in a lot of that reconnaissance level telemetry data what what assets have which services running which ports and protocols what what services map to a specific application Uh, You know, are the ports listening or just being opened as they connect to and from other devices? Are the devices they talk into part of a specific FSMO system? Is that system then talking to another system? You know, all that data is under the hood of just one of our VAT, you know, our VAT tools. Then you've got like our, our endpoint detection and response tool or previously endpoint protection, you got AV data, you got all this telemetry, um, you know, so you typically can have this big data lake of data. So the question is, what do we want to achieve out as measurable outcomes and how do we really approach it? So one of the easiest way to sort of take y'all through the picture is to sort of step back. So I'm gonna put it in a context of, um, you know, center for Internet security, their critical controls. So right when we look at the CDM PMO efforts with uh, continuous monitoring or CDM, uh, HWAM, hardware asset management, everything starts there. So the way I always tell this story is we have to have hardware, um, virtual or physical hardware is, is the starting point. After that, there's software, right? Software is key. It comes in at firmware level. After firmware level, you've got OSs. After OSs, you've got applications. Those applications have services and the, you know, those things then are intended to perform some function on you know, the betterment of society to to make our lives easier. Um, Ultimately, they typically seem to cause more pain than good in some cases. But um, from that perspective, any of all these things could have data uh, being sent, right? You've got configuration management. Configuration management, when it comes, is really just looking at specific configuration of these services the software or the operating systems, you know, on top of that hardware in the same way with vulnerability management. Vulnerability management is looking at the vulnerabilities within the either the configuration or the installed software base on top of that. And it just goes on through the, the, you know, 20 top critical controls as the coverage you get. Go ahead. What
1: maybe you could bring this around for us and kind of say, how do you get control of all of this?
3: So what we've done is we focused on asset visibility first, right? We've got to, you have to, you can't protect or defend what you don't know. So that's the starting point, getting control of your hardware and software is the key to the, this problem. Um, so from that perspective, we've spent uh, you know, a fair amount of time data analytics and tried to make some kind of unit of measurement that we can uh, define success in that metric when it came to one of the you know, critical control items, whether how do we track the devices, are they authorized, unauthorized, or the HVA, you know, high value assets or stuff like that, because, you know, are they internet facing, you know, understanding those contexts of the applications and the data um, will help you uh, make informed decisions. And from that, we've taken and built you know, automated dashboards to where we could sort of turn that into a repeatable process to where as this data is being collected from multiple sources, we can make decision points on it daily. And that was the key, right? Historically, um, scorecard efforts and FSMA we did a monthly uh, collection. We would roll up some kind of metric and then we would be always reactive. What happened a month ago, right? Well, let's worry about what's gonna to happen tomorrow. How can we take the data we have and make better informed decisions? And that's what I've tried to do with the data. And it took us a you know, better part of a year to really turn key it, but with some technical debt. But um, you know, we've, we've got some opportunities here forward with some of the new platforms available Um, to basically turn some of this work into COTS product and uh, remove that technical debt to where we can, you know, obviously focus on remediation more so than uh, building the ship while we're trying to drive. But, you know,
1: sure. So you want actionable information out of all of this data. And Jerry, you're nodding your head in agreement. And I imagine getting actionable is really the result of CDM in the ultimate sense of making people more cyber secure.
0: Absolutely, I strongly agree with Kenneth's point that, specifically for new hot topics such as EDR, asset management serves as the foundation, so we definitely focus on that in shared services. Um, In delivering CDM shared services, we do focus on the desired capability, as mentioned, asset management is what we're currently um, heavily focusing on with the small agencies, because shared services is a service that we deliver. Uh, CDM capabilities to the smaller agencies we use tools as an enabler, as an enabler of the policies um, we verify that the tools meet the to defined requirements as I mentioned earlier not let the tools define the requirements but beyond providing small agencies these tools we have to be able to enhance the offering with training the operators administrators and senior officers so the tools make sense to them if the tool does not provide understandable information to the user, then that will not lead to great adoption, right? So we are heavily um, invested in ensuring that the user or the consumer understands the data that they are seeing. Um, We also want to make sure that the tools uh, provide dashboards and reports that makes it easy for the user to understand where the trends are going in order for them to, again, make decisions um, of the most impactful remediation actions that they can do for their environment.
1: All right, thank you. And uh, Bobby, what do you see again uh, in general as agencies challenge when they have this need for visibility and this need for data, but more important, those items in service of actionability? What is the essential challenge that you see across the board there?
4: So, uh, Tom, the essential challenge is getting that single source of truth. Um, whether it's virtual or physical, uh, each device has a master device record. And getting the attributes and details for each device is imperative as they analyze data for both post and future uh, endeavors. In order to understand the analytics and, and data to determine what your next logical step needs to be, you have to have that single source of truth, and and clearly through the through the adoption around uh, asset management, uh, they are achieving this, and this will ultimately result in them becoming compliant to the CDM program's uh, um, uh, framework.
1: All right, and uh, Alma, on that regard, with respect to assets and knowing all of your assets endpoints, I wanted to ask you because I know that CBP has a pretty robust cloud strategy, how that adds into the picture because you've got applications now that are maybe virtual machines all over the place in clouds and even now virtual desktops, I guess for some users, you're going that way in, in a few instances. So how does the cloud fit into the picture?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it obviously fits into the picture in that uh, you need to now have not just a, a, uh, an ability to collect all of your uh, legacy assets, but some of the same challenges that we actually had, uh, even in some of the virtual environments that, we, that we'd have on-prem, as far as being able to track assets for compliance purposes uh, and for vulnerability management purposes uh, that might spin up or spin down you know, dynamically. Um, and and sometimes they'll you know share an IP address and and but the the name might be different and and so um, you know talking with what Ken had said uh, talking about some of the struggles I think we went through with trying to just do basic vulnerability management for years and using that as a basis for our ongoing uh, uh, basically dashboarding for our security posture with the uh, with DHS, with the department. Uh, those are some challenges I think we've worked through pretty effectively. Uh, and now, of course, we have these new cloud sources as well as new types of cloud services, You know, things like, like Lambda functions, for example, that aren't actually you know, steady state systems that are just standing there. they are services waiting to be called. They really do um, you know, think change the way that we have to look at that. Um, Let me back up and focus on some of the base functions and challenges we had with CDM, I think, initially and some of the ways that I think this this new approach for looking at uh, this hybrid picture of all of your your assets and of your posture, um, how we've, I think, evolved towards that. The initial security program, and this I'm speaking as a perspective of of more of an end user, um, I think it has evolved quite a bit. I think it got a little bit of a slow start perhaps, and it went from, again, just my perspective, um, being very tool specific where you know, there was a desire to have very specific tool uh, in a very specific way. And this was irrespective of what you had in your environment presently, you know, that was might've been functioning, that might've been optimized already, where you might've had users trained, maybe it was a better solution, you know, may, maybe not. But ultimately there was obviously overlap with a lot of tool sets that may have been selected for uh, the specific CDM initiative, especially talking about you know, phase one, where you're looking at that cross section of having the hardware asset inventory, uh, which is critical because as you're looking at your vulnerability configuration management metrics, that hardware asset inventory gives you your denominator, right? So, so you actually know what your compliance posture is versus just knowing what you're reporting on and only seeing what basically your scanning tools are saying and not knowing how what percentage of the actual you know, inventory you have uh, there that that represents. Um, so, so I think what we, what we saw again is, is um, some of the tools were really, really great tools, but sometimes the way that either they were architected the way that they were managed sometimes as a shared service, it might not work uh, as well for one agency as the next, given some of their dyna- the dynamic architectures, our presence in the cloud, the existence of IOTs, uh, network segmentation gaps. Um, there's all sorts of variables that may have not been considered initially. Uh, and so what, what I started pushing for very, very early on, you know, and working side by side with the CDM team was uh, to look at a data centric approach instead of just a tool-centric approach. Because when you look at, again, everything we were trying to find that was required to populate the dashboard, that data already existed and was already in our environments and uh, and was being provided by tools that were being managed by groups that were that were r- really mature. Um, and so now you just really have the, the challenge of, okay, well, how do we take that data now? And in some cases, you might have a tool that would provide um, Let's say multiple types of data that might be already uh, normalized, or or might have you know two different different things. Let's say software asset inventory, hardware hard asset inventory might already be combined. Um, whereas doing a data centric approach, you may have um, the challenge of you have that data. But maybe that data isn't correlated together in the same way. So I, I think you know, Ken Klein's initial approach. Our initial approach was: look, we've got the data. Let's feed that into a, something like our sim, and then let's let's get our really smart, you know, data scientist type people to actually combine that data. In some cases, that data is combined at the agency, uh, at the the component level or the dashboard level for the agency. But the, the point is that that data is all there, and we had the ability to actually then. Uh, take that and, and develop that into a picture that fully met their requirements uh, without, a, a, without new investment into new technologies and without all of the time it would take to fully implement those. Um, to, to Ken's point as well, this was working, but uh, it did not work as well as some of the, the COTS approaches that are now available to us uh, it, are, are working for us right now, where we can actually, um, you know, I- instead of having to roll out a new tool um, and a new sensor and you know, a, new, uh, a new agent, uh, a new whatever, we have so many points of intelligence throughout our, our network uh, that, that haven't been talking to each other traditionally. Uh, but now, again, using this, this API approach, we can have one tool sure. that can build that master device record by using application programming interfaces, APIs, to go out and just simply collect all of that data from you know, literally dozens of different types of tools and information sources throughout our environment, and that tool can then do the hard work of of cross-stitching all of those data sources together to give us that absolute holistic view of everything that's in our environment. And that automatically, not only does that help us when it comes to being able to you know, meet the requirements of CDM and feed them the absolute you know, asset inventories uh, up to them in the format they're looking for without a lot of additional processing, but from also from a, a security uh, defense perspective, now we actually can see well, how what is the coverage for our security tools, and where do we have coverage uh, versus versus where does it look like we th- we still have have chance have challenges uh, with uh, with knowing exactly uh, you know what we're protecting and what we're not yet protected.
1: All right, that is quite an exposition, and I think sorry about that. Yeah, I think we've almost solved the cybersecurity problem right here, but we do need to take a break. We are listening today to Alma Cole, the Chief Information Security Officer at Customs and Border Protection, Jerry Clausen, the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for the Defend-F Group at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, and also Bobby McLernan, the Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius, and Ken Klein, the Director of Cyber Engineering at FEMA. I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. This panel discussion is Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity, sponsored by Axonius here on Federal News Network.
5: Axonius takes a radically simple approach to cybersecurity asset management. By connecting to the IT and security tools agencies already use, Axonius collects and correlates information about the hardware, software, and users connected to agency networks. Gain asset visibility. Discover security gaps. Automatically validate and enforce security policies. Free up your cybersecurity resources. Learn how to empower your security team with cybersecurity asset management at axonius.com. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S
1: com. Welcome back to our panel discussion, Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity, sponsored by Axonius here on Federal News Network. Our guests today are Jerry Clausen, the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for Defend Group F at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency. Bobby McLernan is the Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius. Ken Klein, Director of Cyber Engineering at FEMA, and Alma Cole, the Chief Information Security Officer at U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And Ken, I want to start with you again one more time just to wind up the thought on virtual assets because you mentioned the total visibility into your hardware and your software, but there's kind of a gray area which in some ways outweighs the physical area nowadays for virtual machines and so on and all of these uh, assets that don't have a serial number on them, uh, the way software that you buy and hardware that you buy have. So what's your strategy for ensuring those are part of the visibility, the virtual assets?
3: So uh, the, the, they technically they do, they have virtual serial numbers, they have virtual, you know, as their software defined, they have attributes that they have to comply with just as would a physical piece of hardware and the technology OS is they're sort of mimicking. So like example would be like VMware or AWS, right, they're going to have a, a virtual specifications in terms of CPU core memory, you know, disk configuration that virtual information gets computed and a, a virtual um, BIOS UUID would be created. Also, they have virtual serial numbers. They're issued in some cases virtual make and model. So like the AWS stuff, you'll see um, it's an EC2 and it might be an M2 large or whatever size of the VM you're paying for or the compute. Um, they, they Those attributes are there and they can be inspected. Right. So um, but yes, we we've taken approach and sort of building on what Alma said in the past segment, right? We we've API'd and or integrated these speeds together from and stitched them multiple sources. Um, that was a lot of technical debt. Moving on into sort of the path forward, we've are we're, we're sort of adopting a cost-based approach to uh, you know, addressing these things. But yes, we have almost 50 to 60 connections and feeds because our environment is a diverse set of tools. We are not necessarily even using the same point product in all areas of our agency. So there might be some contractor-owned, contractor-operated, government-owned, government-operated or government-owned contractor-operated locations. And they may not be using the same point tool at every single location. And so stitching the complete picture together across a diverse environment using a diverse set of tools has been a challenge. But, um, you know, that work was typically done in-house stitching it. But, um, you know, we, we've sort of turnkeyed at this point through the help of some of our partners.
1: All right. So in the time remaining I, we have, I want to uh, maybe look at what's happening in the future here. I think we've all laid the foundation for what we're going to see ahead, the move to commercial solutions for some of this the need to rein in all of the assets for total visibility to result in actionable data and so forth. And so uh, Alma, why don't we start with you? What do you see ahead for the next round of cybersecurity, especially in the context of modernization?
2: Yeah, we're definitely pushing in two very different directions. So on on one end, we're pushing towards edge computing, and things like being able to do you know, intelligence at a sensor uh, in the field where you can actually be very, very smart about not only seeing threats, but the amplitude to then uh, signal back with those specific threats and how we secure those and the IoT security and everything else that we're doing in that space. On the other end, of course, uh, cloud security. Cloud is, is just such a powerful tool for us, and we're, we're, we're doing very well with our migration into a, a multi-cloud strategy. Um, and in that we have a lot of great potential a lot of intelligence coming out of those uh, those cloud platforms that's native and uh, and now we have the ability again through various tools to be able to hook in through these APIs to be able to take that intelligence down and consolidate that and give us a comprehensive view of our security posture uh, we're using that through both CDM as well as through our own efforts to build our, both our continuous monitoring posture as well as to be able to develop dynamic risk scoring so at any given point in time for example with our cloud assets that we can look across our systems and we can see you know, where where's the highest risks Um, where what is the posture of one organization versus next organization uh, and and what do we need to be paying attention to today uh, based on on this real-time you know intelligence is coming in through all these sources it's now uh you know normalized uh crosswalk with all of our standards NIST standards and and dhs policy and everything else uh to really give us the just get actionable intelligence at, at the end of the day. So uh, we're, we're doing that and we're, we're pushing as well on, again, security automation. So as we gain that intelligence to see where we are, that now we can act on that intelligence.
1: All right. And uh, Jerry, what is coming up for the CDM program? Everyone cares about that a lot. And You mentioned you oversee the portfolio for the small and medium-sized agencies that maybe don't have as the, uh, the resources that some of the large departments do. And so what can they expect?
0: Exactly. We work with a small uh, the agencies, CISOs and CIOs because they set the direction for their agency security posture. We partner with them to deliver a CDM service that realizes their strategic vision while supporting their tactical objectives. We were fortunate that the shared services was created to leverage the cloud infrastructure at its inception. So when we all had to work remotely, our CDM services kept running with no interruption. Now, we understand that CISOs and and CIOs at small agencies want to ensure the security of their network through the pandemic, so we applied lessons learned. Recently deployed tools um, from the CDM asset management portfolio provide visibility to endpoints regardless of their location. This way, agencies will have visibility to their assets at all times, even if the asset is disconnected from the network. Other lessons learned we applied along the way Um, Our current shared services offering provides um, a smaller footprint, um, leverages SaaS providers who have their um, expertise, right? And we we expose their expertise and use that to provide CDM services to small agencies. We also provide agencies access to raw data so that they know, and uh, so that the reporting is quite transparent to them with regards to the vulnerabilities detected in their network. We use standard protocols um, and of course, we always work uh, to have a faster time to market. More importantly, we want to be able to take what is uh, detected at the endpoint and pre- present to the user a centralized dashboard. Now we need a tool to be able to bridge that gap. How do we take all of the data that fulfills all of the things that we're looking for in an asset management capability and display that in, in the CDM dashboard, right? So we, we use a, a tool that uh, enables us to take all that data and merge it with our CBM dashboard requirements in order to provide useful information that leads to action on the part on the part of the agency user.
1: Yes, yeah, so you've said it several times and now it's finally gotten through to me. I should say really you start with an asset management orientation in deploying all of these tool sets to the to the agencies.
0: Yes, we do. That is basically the, uh, the foundation of everything we do, creating that master device record, the unique identifier for all the assets so that you will be able to see um, your authorized versus unauthorized um, devices. Uh, we then surround that with other um, attributes, right? The vulnerability management portion. We, uh, we also provide configuration settings management and of course, software asset management, what resides on that particular hardware.
1: Okay. Thank you. And uh, Ken, having watched FEMA in action for some 30 years now, uh, people may not realize what an adaptable and agile agency FEMA is, if you look at it over the course of 30 years and different missions and different approaches. And so that's certainly true of their computing architecture and infrastructure. What do you see ahead now that you've got the kind of modernized stack and the closure of some of the technical debt? You probably want to stay ahead of the curve. And where do you see all of this asset management approach to cyber headed?
3: I mean, it's obviously cloud. It's obviously edge, right? In in our nature, in our business, we we have a lot of diverse mission space. We go into areas that may have limited connectivity, you know, so, and depending on the scenarios, you know, getting that connectivity back and ensuring that our agents are healthy are, are key. So, you know, even with this uh, COVID pandemic, right, we've got a significant remote workforce. We always have. Um, But, you know, it's scaled up significantly from what we would typically be day-to-day. So, you know, having that bandwidth in and out of the network at the edge, having those services at the edge to do patching, uh, vulnerability remediation, endpoint response, and those capabilities... Are, are, are going to be continuing in that direction and, and change And as you know with the solar winds and other things, the software asset management is obviously you know key in the pipeline to how we really tackle our, our next biggest issue which is uh, you know getting software compliance software supply chains and things really thought about. Um, Yeah, that's probably
1: something we could even explore if we had a whole other session, but the idea of what is coming in through your supply chain that affects uh, cybersecurity, that's a burgeoning issue, fair to say? Yes. Alma, fair to say?
2: Yeah, definitely fair to say.
1: All right. And uh, Bobby, again, we'll return to you from a, a view of many, many agencies that you work with. And what's your best advice for the next round of cyber as people look at the coming years and the fact that the threat environment is, which is ultimately what we care about is the threat environment and the threats to our agencies. Uh, what should people be doing next in the next year, 18 months?
4: Uh, Tom, I've been listening for the past hour and I've heard some great information about the requirement for uh, uh, asset management information, whether it resides uh, in the cloud or uh, in a physical uh, environment. Um, I've heard some uh some mentions of multiple tools and uh, on average, the typical agency uses in excess of hundred tools today to work in their cyber environment and gather the information required. Um, the data needed to uh, achieve security compliance does exist within each organization. Uh, the bad news is it's distributed across a hundred different tools. Uh, what we've tried to do is help our customers aggregate and correlate that data um, from those tools, uh, making it accessible and actionable uh, to securely uh, find it and and uh, and and land on that single source of truth to get uh, to cyber compliance. Um, what I would consider um, the next steps is to look towards uh, reclamation for people returning back to work. I think that's going to be a sensitive item. I would think that. Um, exploring uh, IoT and OT tools is going to be um, required for folks to move to the next technology level. But um, the bottom line for folks today is get to that that source of truth and achieve compliance to make sure that uh, they stay within the federal framework.
1: All thank right. You. And that, thank you very much. That brings us to the close of the show. I want to thank today's guests. Bobby McLernan is the Vice President for Federal Sales at Axonius. Ken Klein is the Director of Cyber Engineering at the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. Alma Cole is the Chief Information Security Officer at U.S. Customs and Border Protection. And Geraldine Clausen, the CDM Portfolio Team Lead for the DEFEND Group F, that's you little and independent agencies, at the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, I'm your moderator, Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Axonius.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion, Why Asset Management Matters for Cybersecurity. Sponsored by Axonius on Federal News Network.